live from the University of Nebraska at Kearney. It's the weekly allowance where real-world knowledge is discussed. Your future is what matters, and the broke college student is no longer the status quo. Young or old, don't put your future on hold. We welcome you to the show. I'm your host, Luke Grosnaklaus, joined by co-host Austin Partridge. Austin, how's it going today? It's been a great day. Well, it seems like we've kind of been bouncing around here on the show with our time <laughs> slots um, here on the weekly allowance, and we do apologize. I guess uh, Luke and I's schedules are just pretty hectic this semester. Mm -hmm. And we have been operating with kind of a different time slot, so that has played a role as well. So we're just kind of doing the show whenever we can get it in. And, of course, the segments are all uploaded as podcasts, and so um, you can always listen to them there. How's your day going today, Luke? You know, pretty good. Yeah, good point with the show. Uh, we've done a couple Saturdays. We're going to try and get one in last week sometime, and weren't able to do that. But uh, both of our kind of final semesters are a little hectic. I know mine is for sure with student teaching, but uh, the week's going pretty well. Um, it's officially the Lenten season, so excited for that. Got a retreat coming up tomorrow through Sunday, Coin and Near Retreat, hosted by the Newman Center, so looking forward to that. And uh, just uh, kind of trucking along the week. It's, it's almost Friday, so just got to get through one more day. Today on the show, we're going to be touching on bankruptcy. That's going to be our main theme for the day. And for this first segment, first 15 minutes or so, we wanted to talk to you guys about what is bankruptcy and um, where? how do you go about filing for bankruptcy? Uh, what are the different kinds of bankruptcy that you can get into? Um, and just, just kind of the basics of bankruptcy. So that's what we're going to be talking to you about today and for the 15 minutes. Just kind of wanted to define what is bankruptcy. So to start off with, bankruptcy can be a little bit confusing. And um, I know I've been confused by what really classifies bankruptcy. I think we watch TV shows like The Wheel of Fortune um, different game shows you may see the term bankruptcy used. Uh, if you think of the game Monopoly, bankruptcy is used as well. So we see the term a lot, I would say, in our daily lives, but a lot of people may not know what the official definition of it is. So that's kind of what we're going to share with you a little bit. And so bankruptcy defined by Google is a court proceeding where you tell a judge that you can't pay back your debts. So pretty much you have a lot of debts that you owe, you don't have the money to pay those debts back. And so it's come the time that you have to meet um, with a judge and go to court to see if those debts of yours can be waived by um, a higher being with a judge. Yeah, basically, I think you hit the nail on the head there, and it's going to be kind of an interesting discussion today. But yeah, bankruptcy is just where you know the court examines your assets or what you own and your liabilities of what you owe um, and, and for individuals, and they can do businesses as well. Um, basically, if you um, for individuals who can't pay their bills and decide if those debts will get discharged. So um, when we say discharged, we mean you're no longer legally required to pay them. And so bankruptcy laws were kind of written for people whose finances kind of collapsed on them, and it's really a chance to just start over. And you know whether it's you know it was bad decision making or just bad luck. Um, lawmakers do see that this is a positive um, in our in our economy today, um, letting you know those consumers, those businesses who had failed, um, really providing them with a second chance. Yeah, and you know it's, uh, it's nice what you said about it. Really, is a fresh start. So there's there's definitely consequences that come with bankruptcy, and we'll get into those a little bit later. But it is that fresh start for maybe that um, you see a lot of people that may have some medical expenses that um, get out of hand. Um, and, and different debts along that route, and we'll kind of touch on um, which which ones um, 
you can kind of handle with that. But we really want to talk about the different, the two different types of bankruptcy to start off the segment. And um, the first one we'll touch on is Chapter 13, Bankruptcy. And with that one, we'll just kind of go down the list of it. But um, the court approves a plan to repay some of uh, some or all of your debts over three to five years. So with this one, not all of your debt is waived, um, but just the court will plan to repay some. Uh, the court will give you a plan and will help you budget uh, to repay some or all of your debts. Again, the, the timeline on that is about three to five years. You pay 100% of your secured debt, and then you can then pay a percentage of your unsecured debt, um, so whatever the court agrees to. You keep your assets and are given time to catch up on your mortgage. You agree to a payment plan and follow a strict budget overlooked by the court. And then this type of bankruptcy stays on your credit report for seven years. So kind of that second to last bold is the one I want to look at is you agree to a payment plan and follow a strict budget overlooked by the court. So when we think of bankruptcy, when the average person probably thinks of bankruptcy, they think of, okay, all of my debts are going to be wiped. Um, I'm not going to have to worry about any of this anymore. But chapter 13 is a little bit different. That secured debt, um, the debt that may be backed by some type of collateral is the debt that's going to have to be paid back. When it comes to your unsecured debt, maybe your credit cards and different things like that, that's the debt that the court might uh, might waive from you having to be paid. But the court's going to work with you with this type of bankruptcy. It's not just going to be we're going to waive all the debt, don't worry about it. They're going to work with you through the process, uh, and they're going to get something figured out um, in that way. So you talk about secured debt. Um, just for our listeners out there who might not be familiar with these finance terms, basically secured debt is just a loan that's guaranteed by some sort of collateral. Um, and a lender can offer that you know, at better rates than you know, sometimes unsecured debt. Um, and basically collateral is just an asset used to secure a loan. So it could be um, your car that you used to buy that you take that loan out or really anything like that. And so um, that's what we kind of are, are hinting towards when we mentioned secured debt. Yeah, and um, also with unsecured debt going off, that would be um, more like those debts that aren't backed by um, another asset that you own, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the other type of bankruptcy, this is the one most of us think of when we, when we define bankruptcy, is the Chapter 7. And so this is when the court sells off as much unsecured debt as they possibly can, and then the remaining debt is erased. But even though the remaining debt is erased, we do need to remember that there are certain debts that any form of bankruptcy won't clear. And the ones we have listed and the ones that we found, Austin and I found that student loans usually aren't cleared by bankruptcy. Government debts like taxes, fines, or penalties are not cleared by bankruptcy. Child support and alimony are not cleared by bankruptcy. And then the last bullet point said expensive items purchased right before filing for bankruptcy like cars, boats, and jewelry. So you can't go out and buy a brand new car and then expect for it to just get waived because you're going to file for bankruptcy the next the next week or else you'd have a lot of people obviously taking advantage of the system. Um, different things you could lose during this process. You could lose your home. You could use your car, lose your car depending on how far the court wants to go. Um, those things are secured, your home, your car. Usually those things are secured by some sort of collateral or some sort of asset. So those would be more of your secured debts. Um, but those could be erased. So you could still um, own, maybe own your home. But if, if, the, if the bank is going to 
take away your take away your loan, I guess, for that home, you're probably going to end up defaulting on the home. Um, if that's the best way to say it. But big thing about Chapter Seven is it's going to stay on your credit report for a little bit longer. Uh, that type of bankruptcy will stay on your credit report for about ten years, um, and that's the one. Like I said, the one that we think of the most when we think of um, clearing all of your debt and getting getting rid of everything. Yeah, so it's good to see kind of the differences between, you know, the chapter 13 and the chapter 7. I think it's important to just understand that hopefully, and as we go throughout the show, hopefully none of our um, listeners are are entering into bankruptcy or have filed for bankruptcy. This is uh, just something to inform you um, so you can hopefully stay out of it. Um, but I did some research on some statistics regarding bankruptcy, and it, it's actually really interesting. So the American Bankruptcy Institute did a statistics test from 2016 and found that 90, just about 96% of the 500,000 Chapter 7 bankruptcy cases um, were actually discharged, meaning uh, the individual was no longer legally required to pay any debt. So my first thoughts is um, 500,000 is 500,000 too many. <laughs> um, and the second thing that really stood out to me was the 96% of them, 96% um, of those who filed were cleared. Um, and so that was that pretty much everyone who filed um, in 2016 was was cleared for bankruptcy. Um, there's another statistic that says what is surprising is that people, mostly people, not businesses, are the ones who most often seek the help. They have taken the financial obligation like a mortgage, an auto loan, uh, maybe a student loan, and they don't have the income to pay for it. There were 844,000 bankruptcy cases filed in 2015. And 97% of them were filed by individuals. So if we just take those stats, 819,000 in 2015 and 499,000 in 2016. We're getting a little bit better. That's <laughs> good. That's a good stat to see. Um, but just going back to our previous show on, you know, the importance of financial education um, in high school and in the college realm, I think it's important to have that education before we send individuals out who are really unprepared um, and really don't understand all of this stuff. And um, if the con concept's completely new to you, I know um, a lot of us, we understand it, but if it's completely new to you, then that, you know, that low um, monthly payment on that car or that house um, might so sound appealing to you. Um, you know, that is until you get laid off and you're unable to make those payments. That's what we talk about, you know, when, we, when risk comes into the equation. Um, so I think it's really important just to understand this and um, another statistic says most of the people filing bankruptcy were not particularly wealthy. The median income for the 800,000 individuals in 2015 was just 34,000, and the expenses were just above 30,000. Mm. And so that's pretty shocking right there that you're making 34,000 and you're spending um, just about all of it, about 30,972 dollars. $30, and so. I don't know, Luke, what are your thoughts on some of those stats? Yeah, uh, those are all really good stats. And I kind of like that last one with the income because what it says with Chapter 7 bankruptcy as well is one of the number one things the court looks at is your income um, and if it's too low to pay off your debts. So if that's what the median income is when we're looking at these bankruptcies, that might be a correlation to why we're seeing the courts clear as many bankruptcies as they do because – if they're looking at your income and if you're really only if you if you've got that income of 34,000 but you're only but you're expending 30,000 um, that's a pretty rough margin right there to work off of so I can totally see how 
these bankruptcy courts are looking at the income, looking at the expenses, and they're seeing that, you know, maybe this person can't really pay off these debts. Um, that doesn't mean that we necessarily agree that they have that many expenses. I know as a teacher, I'll be working off of a pretty low income for a few years, and, I, and I've kind of accepted that. But um, I know that if I do have that low income, then my lifestyle needs to kind of correlate with that income. And mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes where we lose track a little bit is where um, our lifestyle doesn't match our, our wage and, and the way um, the, the money we earn doesn't match our lifestyle. So that's the thing I'm, I know I'm going to have to do when it comes to cost of living and groceries and um, also, I mean, luxury and, and buying other goods and stuff like that. But I just know that there's a time where um, I'll have to live a little bit below my means, but that just helps me in the future when I can live a little bit above my means. Yeah, that's right. And so how exactly do you file for bankruptcy? I'm going to walk you through it, and I really hope <laughs> that none of you out there have to do this. Um, but I think it's important just to understand the process here. So it starts by compiling all your financial records, right? Um, hopefully you have kind of a net worth um, section going or um, something that lists your debts and your assets, you know, your income, um, everything like that, just to give you an understanding of your situation. And um, it also gives you a helping, it gives anyone helping you, um, it, you know, the court, um, a better understanding of your position as well. The next step is to receive receive credit counseling with within 180 days before filing your case. So you actually have to go to a credit counselor before you can file, um, which is required. Um, the court makes you do this uh, just to make sure you've exhausted all the possibilities of finding a different way to handle your problem. So some examples that I was reading online, um, you know, if you have a, a an inheritance or a um, a section of land somewhere that the credit counseling will just make you aware of that, that you need to sell that um, to cover your, your expenses, your debts, um, so you're not just kind of trying to cheat the system in a way. So next you file a petition for bankruptcy. This is actually the filing part. Um, and if you haven't done so, this might be where you realized um, you should probably have a bankruptcy lawyer. Um, legal counsel is not required for individuals filing for Chapter 7 or 13, but it does say that you're taking a serious risk if you choose to represent yourself. Um, you know, for one thing, you might not understand the the federal or the state um, bankruptcy laws for which you're filing, and you might not be a, a, aware of um, all of the implications that go into filing for bankruptcy, um, especially you know what, what what debts can be discharged and what debts can't. And so, it highly recommends that you do. Um, um, hire a bankruptcy lawyer, which is um, not a, not cheap by any means. So there are some expenses coming along with filing for bankruptcy. Um, but when your petition is accepted, your case is assigned to the court trustee. Um, that's what we've, kind of, what we've kind of been mentioning, who then sets up a meeting with your creditors. Um, you have to attend, uh, but the creditors don't really have to. Um, there's an opportunity for them to ask you or the court trustee questions about your case um, and things like that. And so basically after that meeting with the creditors, the court trustee will then kind of uh, make the decision on, on how you're going to sell off your assets and which ones you do need to sell and things like that. So that's just kind of the process to walk you through how exactly you file. And again, hopefully um, nobody has to do that. Nobody has to go through that. I think it would be kind of demoralizing, um, but I think it's good to understand it too. Yeah, for sure. And and that's exactly right. I hope that none of our listeners out there are looking at this route. Um, I know that a lot of the times when banks are, bankruptcy happens, it is consumers rather than businesses. But um, 
just know that kind of what you're getting yourself into. And we'll, and we'll go into the consequences when we come up um, after our break here. But overall, um, each bankruptcy case is going to be pretty unique. No, I'm sure no bankruptcy case is really the same, um, obviously, with the amount of, amount of debts, but also with how the court handles the cases and how the trustees and how the lawyers all handle those cases. So it seems like a pretty intimidating thing to do filing for bankruptcy. And um, I can't imagine being in that situation. But that's kind of why we're walking you through it so our listeners do know if that is something that you're looking at, some of the ups and downs of it, kind of what all goes into it, the different kinds of it, and we'll keep trucking along with the show and talking to you about that. But we're going to take a quick break here, um, but when we come back, Austin and I will be discussing the major consequences that come with filing for bankruptcy. It's 18 minutes past the hour. This is the Weekly Allowance. And we're back on 91.1 KLPR with the weekly allowance. For this next segment, we're going to be talking about the major consequences that come when filing for bankruptcy and some of the statistics that go along with it. I know Austin already walked us through a few of the statistics that come with bankruptcy. Um, I'll throw a few more out for you to start off this segment. So we already talked about how the vast majority of bankruptcies are filed by consumers. So I don't need to hit on that. Uh, Statewide, California had the most bankruptcy filings in 2011 with 240,000 cases. So kind of interesting statistic there. Uh, let's see, 46% of bankruptcy cases were related to medical expenses. Other common reasons for bankruptcy include reduced income, job loss, credit card debt, illness, injury, uh, unexpected expenses, and divorce. So those are all kind of some of the things that go into bankruptcy. I knew that medical expenses would be a big one. That's something that also goes kind of in that unexpected expenses. Obviously, if you get diagnosed with something or if you end up coming up with an illness or something that uh, kind of comes out of nowhere, um, it may not have anything to do with your income or um, any other kind of debt, but it may just come out of nowhere and kind of hit you and blindside you. So 46% of bankruptcies uh, related to medical expenses. And the last one I saw here was senior citizens filing for bankruptcy is increasing and those 25 years old or lower filing for bankruptcy is decreasing. So again, kind of another one of those millennial statistics, which I always kind of like because I feel like our listeners are probably more in the younger age, but um, shows that 25 years and old and lower are decreasing when it comes to filing for bankruptcy. So that's always good to look at. Um, Austin, anything you have to say about those statistics statistics there no it's good to see that you know millennials are <clears throat> not filing for bankruptcy as much i think <clears throat> it would be kind of tough to file for bankruptcy at such a young age right um just because you don't have you do have your student loans um you do probably have some credit card debt maybe a car um but i think at such a young age it's kind of tough to get in over your head or at least hopefully you're not getting in over your head at such a young age um, and that's interesting to see that senior citizens are actually increasing. Um, hopefully that's not due to, you know, financial education and, and just something going uh, askew there. But I, it's good to see that younger our younger generation is kind of hopefully getting things under control. It's also interesting to see 46% of cases um, filed for bankruptcy were medical. 
Um, I think that kind of goes back to, you know, do you have your basis covered of medical insurance, health insurance, and things like that. And I think that might be one of the reasons why we're seeing the healthcare system um, in the United States the way it is today. Uh, I won't get into it too much, but I think, um, you know, just just having a good financial base includes health insurance, and maybe that's um, a, a topic for another time. But I think, you know, having your bases covered with health insurance will um, kind of help you protect um, that wall, if you will, from filing bankruptcy for any medical-related expense. Yeah, and you see a statistic like that, and that's exactly what jumps out is at you is what's the insurance look like. And that's definitely a show for another time that me and Austin will be planning. I think that's on our list to do this semester is talking about not just medi- uh, not just health insurance, but life insurance and car insurance, all sorts of insurance that can really protect you for when those unexpected expenses come along. Um, because I would say a, a majority of bankruptcies are going to be from those unexpected expenses that happen. Um, usually, you know, if you're going into debt, what you're getting yourself into. But if something kind of comes out of nowhere and you don't see it coming and there's no plan or there's no coverage, mm-hmm. uh, things can get um, a little hairy there. So yep. moving on to some of the negative consequences that can come with bankruptcy. Obviously, the big one that we can touch on here for a little bit is your credit score will take a hit for years to come. But eventually, if, if, if you start handling your finances a little bit better, there's no unexpected expenses um, it will go back up. It could take a long time before you qualify for another loan. Um, but just know that, and it's pretty common sense that your credit score will take a pretty big hit and that you may not qualify for another loan. So if your house, if you have to foreclose on your house, if you have to um, give up your car, if you have to do all these things, um, we talked about how bankruptcy is kind of a clean slate for everyone, but it does come with its consequences. And the credit score is definitely a big one of those. So if you're, even if you're looking, say you foreclose on your house and then you have to look to rent something, sometimes it can be hard to rent when you have a bad credit score or a bad credit history. I know some renters look at those things before they are willing to lease their house or lease their apartments out to you. So that can kind of mess up living situations, transportation. If you can't take out some form of a loan on a car, that can be tough as well. Um, and really anything, credit cards, you're probably going to have to cut those up as well. So um, that bad credit score uh, could be a thing that affects you personally for um, a few years at a time. But we hope that if that is the case, you have to go into bankruptcy, that eventually you can get back on your feet and get that credit score back up. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that while bankruptcy is a chance to start over, it, it definitely affects your credit and your future ability to borrow money. Um, it, like Luke mentioned, it may prevent or dis, d- uh, delay foreclosure on a home um, or re- repo on a car or <clears throat> a wage garnishment or something like that. Um, but in the end, there is a price to pay, and you pay it with that credit score. Um, there are a few. I just want to go into a little bit more detail. Um, so the bankruptcy itself will be listed on your credit for- report for, like Luke mentioned, about 7 to 10 years, depending on which one you file. And, you know, it's almost okay um, because, you know, d- throughout the show, we, we we're not recommending that you go out and borrow money. <laughs> and so I wouldn't worry too much about it being, um, you know, displayed on your credit report. Obviously, you're not going to be able to get any, any more loans, which might be a good thing for you. Right. Um, and you'll p- but you will probably want to own a home someday and um, if, in the future if you don't already. 
and, and that bankruptcy will negatively impact your ability to get a mortgage or, or rent or things like that. Also, if you want a job or, or you know you want to work for a federal federal agency, um, many employers will look to see if you have filed a bankruptcy. I know when I worked, um, I'll just say for the federal government this past summer, um, we were actually not able to file file for bankruptcy. If we did, we could no longer work for for that agency, and so it is important um, to to take those into account. It's not just going to go on your credit score. It's going to impact other areas in your of your life as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I like how you said it could almost be a blessing um, to not have a good credit score. So therefore, you can't borrow more money Mm -hmm. because obviously um, borrowing it got you is what got you into trouble in the first place. So honestly, don't worry as much about how it's going to affect your credit score. Um, That's something that we talk about a little bit on the show about credit scores and getting loans and credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's good to have a good credit score, but... Um, it shouldn't be everything. It shouldn't be your main focus. Um, borrowing money shouldn't be your main focus. I know kind of in our society today, credit scores are really highly looked at for a lot of different things. Um, and I know if you listen to Dave Ramsey's show, he would tell you that you don't even need a credit score, never borrow, never get one, and all these things. So um, kind of a topic there for again for another time. But moving on with some of the other consequences of bankruptcies, Another negative consequence is that bankruptcies are public information. They're, they have a public hearing by a court. There's really not much privacy when it comes to filing for a bankruptcy. So many of those documents are going to be kept um, at, at the local courthouse and things like that. They may not be published in a newspaper. They may be. They may not be. Probably if you dig enough online, you could probably find some of those cases as well. But just know if, if someone wants to attend your hearing um, with the court, they could easily do that. They could sit in on uh, your hearing and kind of hear everything you're talking about. Same thing goes for um, if they want to go to the courthouse and if they were really trying to snoop and get those files, they could probably ask someone and, and they could see some of the basic things that the hearing was about. So um, just know that that's another kind of embarrassing thing. I think no one, even though there's probably a lot of people in society, I think about 75% of people live paycheck to paycheck. But we don't necessarily know that for sure. Like we don't see that from day to day. But when you can actually see it on paper and see it in an actual hearing, that becomes pretty real. And when when you have people seeing your financial life with open doors, that's that's a pretty tough thing to do. And I hope that's a situation I'm never in. I I really don't wish that upon anyone. Um, But it is a a big consequence of having that publicity to your um, bankruptcy. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a status quo thing, right? Because you like like you mentioned, we know that most people in America do live paycheck to paycheck, but we don't see that. So when we when we see this, you know, Dave Ramsey always refers to the Ken and Barbie. Mm-hmm. When we see those individuals driving really nice cars, living in really nice houses, um, living this extravagant lifestyle, um, we kind of start to feel bad about ourselves because maybe we're not doing that, um, but maybe we're we're saving for retirement and they're not. And then when we see or we hear maybe gossip that they they filed for bankruptcy it, it just kind of it, it's really demoralizing and and um not that you know i think that that gossip goes around or anything like that but just to hear hear someone that filed for bankruptcy you immediately kind of think of them in a different way um which we shouldn't um <laughs> but I, th- I think we do so it's just kind of like a status thing of of and, and that's what comes along with a a, a public bankruptcy so um, hopefully that's a, another reason that just adds to the list of um, getting secure, getting control of your finances now so you don't have to do this in the future. 
Yeah, and I think that's completely right that um, we shouldn't look at people uh, according to their finances. That definitely isn't what defines them. But sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating of you got your Ken and Barbie out there and they look really good and you're like, I wish I could look that good. But if people only knew behind closed doors maybe how much money I have than them or maybe the lifestyle I'm actually living behind closed doors, your closet millionaires, as they would say, um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to judge them based on their finances, but can sometimes um, happen for sure. Another negative consequence that comes with bankruptcy is that you may lose some of your property. So um, bankruptcy with property it can be a little touchy. And me and Austin were just looking at this over the break. Um, we weren't quite sure how um, bankruptcy courts handle uh, any of your equity and, and with your home and other property that you might own. Usually, if, if it's a Chapter 7 bankruptcy and it's a secured debt, I believe that they'll try and sell it off and see, see if they can make a net gain there. Um, if you keep your house or keep your mortgage, but you can't make the payments, you're obviously going to have to um, foreclose on that yourself. But that's kind of an interesting topic. But just know with bankruptcy, you may have potential to lose your property or your home and different, different things like that. Yeah, there's definitely that possibility. Um, you can also exempt um, certain items when you file for bankruptcy, but that might not always be the case. Um, you you do have the ability to exempt property in the bankruptcy um, to the bankruptcy trustee, or it might not just be worth enough to sell, um, kind of like you mentioned, Luke. Um, but if, yeah, if you do have that nice new car, that nice new truck, you will most likely have to give that up when you do file for bankruptcy to the to the trustee to sell that to cover your your debts. Yeah, and I mean, it, and that'd probably be the smartest thing for you as well. I mean, if you're going to file for bankruptcy, I, I know it's not easy to detach from those things that you have and those nice things, especially. So if you have a really nice car, a really nice home, and you don't necessarily need it, but you really want it and it's nice and you want to have it, um, it's probably a better advantage for you to just get rid of it. It's probably more of a burden for you. Um, it, it may look nice to keep it. It may sound nice to keep it. But for your own financial sake, it might be better just to let um, the court have it and um, just they can make a net gain off of it if they can and just kind of get it off, get it off your chest for sure. Mm -hmm. And then kind of the last consequence I had here was the filing fees for bankruptcy. And we hit on the filing fees a little bit, not the exact numbers, but I do have some averages here on um, my document that I'm looking at. And it looks like Chapter 13 bankruptcy cost about $310 plus attorney fees for filing. And then um, your attorney fees can be anywhere from $1,500 to $6,000. So obviously those lawyers and those attorneys get um, pretty pricey pretty quick. The filing costs really aren't what's going to get you. It's going to be more having a lawyer to defend you a little bit. Then for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, it'll be about $335 for filing fees. And then for an attorney, it'll be 835 to almost $4,000 for an attorney. So it does get a little steep paying for those lawyers, but you do have to have someone defend your case and also help you out with all the legalities of filing for bankruptcy because it's pretty tough to do it on your own. Really, anything that requires a court hearing is pretty tough to do on your own. So you do have to have some help with that. Um, and that's just another negative consequence because you're already obviously in a tough financial situation but it's going to get a little bit tougher when you're um, filing and when you're getting that attorney. 
Yeah, this think about it. This is on top of, you know, already being in that situation, not being able to pay your debts, and now you're having to shell out $300 plus your attorney, which we do recommend um, getting in the in the case of a bankruptcy. So I think it's just another reason that I, I, I don't want to have to pay those fees for um, just to have my debts cleared. I think that's if that's not another reason to, you know, protect yourself now and, and not have to file in the future, I really don't know what is because just looking at those fees gives me a, uh, just makes my stomach uneasy. I, I would hate to have to pay out $300 just to file for bankruptcy. That kind of makes me wish I would have been a attorney or some <laughs> yeah. form of bankruptcy lawyer when I grow up because if there's five, 400, 500,000 people, something like that filing a year and you have that kind of cost, Obviously, I mean, I don't think lawyers are loving it when people go into bankruptcy, but I mean, it is kind of your business to get into. Um, Last thing I kind of wanted to end on was a positive, I guess, of of going into bankruptcy. And it's kind of what we hit on was was the personal discharge is what it's called. And that is a permanent order from the court that prevents creditors from trying to collect most of the debts you have incurred. So there are a few exceptions to this too, but... The court's going to order a, um, I guess, a, a document that prevents credit card collectors and um, different collectors from coming after you. I know that sometimes creditors can be a little bit pushy, and they can even sometimes get a little bit threatening with you. I know that every once in a while, Dave Ramsey will bring up when um, he actually filed for bankruptcy, which we'll speak on as well. But he talked about when they were getting close to doing that, he would have creditors call his wife and say, how can you stand to be with a man that can't pay back his debts? And so like they'll they'll really get down deep and, and poke, poke you to your last nerve. So that is a pretty positive thing is those people will have to get off your back um, because the court will issue that. But uh, like I said, there are a few exceptions to um, your property um, and things like that. They may not be able to get collectors off your back for that, but some of those unsecured debts, they can definitely help you out with that. Yeah, the the chance to start over, I think, is the biggest positive um, when filing for bankruptcy. And and this is actually done for a purpose. I know we studied it a little bit in our commercial law class of, you know, like you mentioned, Dave Ramsey, one of the wealthiest (laughs) men um, probably in America, actually filed for bankruptcy. And so it allowed him to start over and and be a contributing member of society now. Uh, We can only imagine if, you know, we never would have let him start over and we had to just say, figure it out you know, you're on your own, he may not be where he's at today. And so I think that is a huge positive of just being able to start over um, financially and having those debts um, kind of cleared, having a clean slate to come back um, and and really uh, do things right the second time. I think that's the biggest positive here. For sure. So those are some of the negatives, some of the positives, a few statistics to go along with it. And now for the uh, last segment, when we come back, Austin and I will be discussing some of the other options you can look at when dealing with a tough financial situation other than filing for bankruptcy. We, we're going to explore um, what that last resort might be before you file. It's 39 minutes past the hour. This is the weekly allowance. And we're back on 91.1 KLPR with the weekly allowance. For our last segment, we want to touch on some of the options to help with a tough financial situation 
other than filing for bankruptcy. So we've talked how bankruptcy can get you out of that tough situation. It can give you a clean slate. It can give you a fresh start. But we also talked about some of the negative aspects that come along with bankruptcy. So we want to touch on what else you can do to avoid bankruptcy and how you can go um, about maybe not filing. Um, even though you may think it's your last resort, we think that bankruptcy goes into the same category as something like a divorce. So it should be your absolute last resort. You should try to do every single thing you can before filing for bankruptcy. Same thing with like if you're if you have marriage problems, you should try and do every single thing you can before having that divorce because it has lasting effects on your financial life, has lasting effects on other relationships and things like that. So kind of the first thing we wanted to hit on, we've already said this, was Dave Ramsey actually filed for bankruptcy in 1988 after earning more than $1 million by the time he was 26 years old. So we look up to Dave Ramsey. We get a lot of content from Dave Ramsey. He's kind of um, a guy that we like to base our show off of. But you see that stat and you're like, no way. He's a financial guru. How did that ever happen? He's human, I guess, is one thing you could say. But um, he, he got into that luxurious lifestyle where he was making really good money, but he was still living above his means by making all that money. And that's how he has all of his knowledge. He's been there. He's been about as low as you can go when it comes to finances, but he's also now about as high as you can be um, with a financial future. So um, we'll go through some ways that you can avoid bankruptcy, uh, and we'll have a little discussion on all those. First one we have here is take care of the four walls first. So when you're thinking about filing for bankruptcy, see if you can still um, survive without doing it. So what are your necessities? You need food, you need shelter, you need utilities, need your transportation most likely, um, and all those things go into your four walls. So make sure you're protecting. If you can, if you can survive and not file for bankruptcy, um, make sure you can do that first, obviously, before you do anything else. So when you're looking to start cutting things out of your budget, make sure that your food, your shelter, your utilities, and your transportation still have a spot in that budget. Um, don't pay anyone else until those necessities are covered. So don't worry about your payments. Make sure you're providing for your family, for yourself, you're staying safe, and all those things um, when avoiding bankruptcy. Yeah, those are kind of what we refer to as the four walls. That's really your your financial foundation, um, the things you take care of first. And, and it might be difficult because, like Luke mentioned, these creditors can be really pushing. Um, they can kind of make you feel bad for not paying, but... Um, at the end of the day, you do have to take care of yourself first, and, and that's what's important. Yeah, and never, if there's creditors knocking at your door or calling you over the phone, um, try not to let that intimidate you. I know um, they can be very intimidating. Know that they can kind of throw a lot of verbiage out there and kind of verbally abuse you a little bit, but they can never do any kind of physical harm. So they can't show up to your door and start beating you up for not paying back your debts. So the most they can do is kind of, poke at what you're emotional about and kind of roll with that. So um, when you're going through those uh, necessities and the, the four walls, make sure to kind of not let that intimidate you as much. Obviously, no one wants to be in that situation, but um, just try to roll with it as much as you can. So when you're trying to avoid bankruptcy, another thing you're going to have to do is sell everything in sight. So again, anything but the bare necessities, if you have cars, boats, uh, expensive phones, many TVs, DVDs, um, old furniture, tools, toys, anything that can be looked at that um, 
may not be a necessity to you um, or may not be something that you actually absolutely need. Dave Ramsey always says something along the lines of sell so much stuff that the kids think that they're next. So <laughs> um, garage sales, selling stuff on eBay, online, on Amazon, whatever it may be, try to just sell as much stuff as you can to make some of that money to pay off your debts um, and just live, like we say all the time, live below your means. You're not going to be going out to eat um, as much. You may not be watching TV. You may not be purchasing cable and all those things, but it's all worth it for that secure financial future without having to take that hit um, by failing bank by filing bankruptcy. Yeah, I think having a garage sale would be a great way to, one, get rid of the stuff you really don't need, and then two, gain some extra cash to help you pay your bills um, that month. And I think also selling that car that you might be upside down on is probably a good idea as well. Um, and we, when we say upside down, I really just mean, you know, you owe more than what it's worth. Um, in these cases, you you probably have to go to the bank and, and just ask them to sign a note for the difference in order to make that major debt load, kind of take that off your shoulders. And, and it might seem like you're going backwards because you're going to have this, this loan, this note, um, but you're not going to have that, you know, twenty or $30,000 vehicle that you probably don't need and that you really can't afford. For sure. Another thing uh, we like to say is live on the lowest budget possible. And we've had a segment last semester over budgeting, and we kind of walked you through how to budget a little bit. But just make sure that there's not much room in your budget for, I hate to say it, but room in your budget for anything fun. Um, there shouldn't be any kind of cable cost, streaming services, uh, cell phone bills should be low, um, no vacation should be happening, no dining out. When you buy groceries, buy the generic food, buy the great value brand, the Surefine brand, whatever it is, <laughs> just try to live on the bare minimum. And that and that's kind of what we've hit on these first three points, but we can't stress it enough that um, a lot of people may think that they're ready to file for bankruptcy, but they may not realize that their lifestyle is actually just way too much for their income. So make sure before we're filing for bankruptcy and we're, we're trying to avoid it, you do everything you possibly can. And we've got a few other points here, but um, just make sure you're not jumping the gun by filing for bankruptcy when you actually could have survived, you just didn't want to. I think a budget will really tell you the reason why you got into this situation in the first place. Um, because odds are, you know, if you are on the edge of filing for bankruptcy, then you probably don't have a, a strong written budget each month that you're really following. And, and because you, if you don't have a budget, um, you would be able to, you know, literally see by budgeting, see that you cannot afford, you know, that car payment or that mortgage payment or all that food um, or these other expenses that got you to this point. So it's really just going to lay it out for you. It's going to illustrate you. Um, by putting those numbers actually to the paper instead of just, you know, swiping your card and, and living month to month just like that. I think it's going to allow you just to see your situation and, and see if there's a hole um, to dig out and, and see if there's a way out. But um, at the end of the day, if, if there's no way out, then it's gonna, that's going to um, help you make that decision. And I would stress even to our listeners that may not be looking to take on bankruptcy, maybe that's not a problem for them, maybe they don't even have debt, it still isn't a bad thing to live below your means. I think of coming out of college and being on a good secure path and getting a job. And I still think probably for a good chunk of my life, I'm going to live below my means until I get to that ultimate goal of retirement. So even if I don't have much debt, even if I um, am making a good wage, I'm still going to try and live off of a pretty 
pretty low amount of that wage and a pretty tight budget just so I can kind of secure that good financial future. Um, just because you make maybe three grand a month or four grand a month or whatever it is, doesn't mean that you have to spend it all. Um, so just always remember that you can always live below your means even if you aren't looking to file for bankruptcy. Another thing you can do uh, to avoid bankruptcy is get a second job. And I know that doesn't really sound appealing, especially for, especially for those that have full-time jobs and are already working a 40-hour week. Having another part-time job really isn't too appealing. But having an additional source of income can really help with some of those smaller bills. So if it's um, maybe just a payment on a car and you really want that car, but with your income right now, you can't afford it, go out and get that 20-hour job on top of your 40-hour job and that's, that job's going to go towards your car payment because you really need need that car. So um, as long as you're financing it and affording it, that's okay. But uh, just don't allow your bills to take over um, your income um, and your expenses to take over your income. Yeah, and, and just remember, keep in mind that this situation of getting a second job on top of your full-time job is, is really only temporary. Um, you don't have to live like this forever. I know Dave Ramsey always says... Uh, today live like no one else so later you can live like no one else and and basically just along the lines that Luke has been mentioning um, today live like no one else live below your means um, uh, work hard so that later maybe during retirement you can truly live like no one else you don't have to worry about money you're in a really strong financial position so um, you know I would suggest maybe picking up a job with Uber um, delivering pizzas even working extra hours at your primary job um, just to help you bring in some extra cash. It is going to be tough, but um, you really need to do everything that you can in order not to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, and I think about that a lot of um, as a teacher and making, um, again, as I said, kind of a low wage to start out with, not too bad, but on the lower end, I think of getting second jobs all the time, and I don't, I'm not necessarily in a bad, I'm not looking to file for bankruptcy, but even if you're not, again, trying to file for bankruptcy, you can still go and look for that second job and, and see what that looks like. The last one we had on the list here was to sit down and talk with a financial coach. And that's one that we can all do. I mean, again, a lot of these relate, even if you're not looking to file for bankruptcy. But if you are for sure, make sure you sit down with someone that can counsel you a little bit before you file for bankruptcy. Don't just go into it with just you and your spouse and just think we've got this covered. We know this is our last resort. We're just going to go do it. Make sure you have someone counsel you and, and talk you through what you're doing before you do file for bankruptcy. And don't just find someone that's going to tell you that's the best option. Find someone that has what Dave Ramsey likes to call the heart of a teacher and, and have, the, have them walk you through bankruptcy and have them guide you through it. Also, if bankruptcy is not the, the case, be open to what they say about these things that we just talked about and help them guide you through those things and, and not take advantage of you and just take your money and say, yeah, go file for bankruptcy. I think being open is the key in this situation because these you know, financial advisors or whoever you're going to for help are going to have these opinions. Um, so just being open and honest about your situation. If you're closed off, um, you, know, you, you got yourself into this position for a reason, and, and so you really need to be open to accepting that help. And I think Going to visit, um, like we mentioned, a, a financial counselor will be helpful for a lot of different reasons. One, you kind of have someone in your corner that's going to give you some encouragement. I think that's big. And, and number two, um, you really have someone that knows a lot about finances and really knows the best way out of this. And then also, 
I have in my notes here, you know, don't be afraid to just give Dave Ramsey a call. Um, he, he, it's a free call. Um, and just kind of tell him your situation. And, and, and he's really good about walking you through um, and giving you some really good advice. So don't be afraid to do that as well. Yeah, he's. I've listened to a lot of the videos, um, his videos where he talks people through that they're, they're thinking about filing for, filing for bankruptcy, and he talks them through it. In some instances, he says, "Yeah, that's actually your best case," because he knows, like, he's filed for bankruptcy again. He tries not to recommend, um, he tries not to recommend it to anyone, but he knows that sometimes that is a situation that has to happen. So he's very good to counsel you. Again, he's been through it himself, and so he can help you walk through it. But he's not just going to let you say. I have a bunch of debt. I need to file for bankruptcy. You're going to have to walk him through what your income looks like, what your debt looks like, and what's all going to happen. Um, because there are certain debts that you might have, maybe taxes, maybe student loans, that a bankruptcy would never even help you. So going to file, file for one wouldn't even help the situation. So that does it for today's show. Uh, we hope you learned a little bit about what bankruptcies are, some of the consequences that go along with them, and some of the things you can do in your own life to avoid going bankrupt. We'd like to thank you for tuning in for another episode. And in the meantime, whether you are young or old, don't put your future on hold.